Good afternoon and welcome to the Healthy Indoors live show. I'm your host, Bob Krell. I'm the founder and publisher of Healthy Indoors magazine. Thanks for joining us today. We've got a great show today. The topic is cleaning, restoration, and remediation. And uh, to that end, we have someone who's been uh, instrumental in that industry for uh, longer than you'd probably like to admit. Uh, so we'll be back with our feature guest for today, Larry Cooper, after a word from our sponsor. Indoor air quality is now on the minds of everybody. How can we improve the air quality in general? So Erlab is a company that provides protection through filtration for your breathing zone in the laboratory and outside the laboratory. And why we're here in the commercial space today is to provide protection for the air that we breathe. It's very important in commercial spaces, obviously, because there's a lot of people that come in and out of restaurants, schools, long-term care facilities, whatever it may be, offices. So we want to provide the healthiest air possible so we can get back to some sort of normalcy. And we're here today with Larry Cooper. Uh, he is the managing partner of the Experience Events um, out in, I forget which city in Colorado, sorry. We're in beautiful Broomfield, Colorado. <laughs> That's embarrassing. I know we're Denver and uh, a couple of other places. <laughs> <laughs> we're right in between Denver and Boulder. We're in a gorgeous spot. Uh, the foothills are very close by. Excellent. So, Larry, Larry, we're going to talk about a bunch of stuff today, but let's let's first preface uh, by the fact that you have uh, a, a big event, uh, in-person event uh, coming up in just a few weeks. Uh, the Experience uh, uh, Convention and Trade Show, uh, once again, uh, is going to be live and available. It's uh, this year. It's from September 8th to 10th in uh, the Paris Hotel in Las Vegas, Nevada. Right. You got it, man. That's, we're really excited to have a show, obviously. And. We haven't been in Vegas in two years uh, because of uh, the pandemic, and we're ready. And I got to tell you, there's so many people excited to be a part of the show. Uh, we're very thankful that uh, we have so many great people working with us. Well, we're really, uh, you know, we're happy to have you here today. And I know, um, you know, it's, you're probably super busy right now. This taking even an hour out of your out of your day, I'm sure, just a few weeks before an event is uh, nightmarish, but. Um, so we'll talk about the event, but I, I, I really would. Well, actually, let's talk about the event a little first. Let's let's uh, give give us some details about about what's what's going on. Just a quick, uh, you know, ten thousand foot overview of the event. Well, the event. Uh, this will actually be our forty first uh, convention uh, and trade show um, in the industry, and um, the experience was named appropriately because. We feature a lot of hands-on live demonstrations at our show. You know, one of the things that we learned early on was that being in a classroom is great. We gain a little bit of knowledge. So we actually went out and started doing research about how people learn, and especially people that are in our industry. Uh, what level of retention would they have in a classroom? And we found was sitting in a classroom, they retain about 15% of what they hear. Now, some people are really good at taking notes, but most don't take any notes whatsoever. They're looking at the screen, looking at the speaker and uh, trying to retain some information. So what we found then was that if we actually uh, combine classroom with hands-on demonstration and then actually allow the attendee to use the tools, to use the new uh, uh, technology that's coming into the show, uh, their retention level just soared about it to 80%. So that was really our calling to say, you know what, we need to make sure people are having a great experience by being involved in what's happening, all the new tools, all the new ideas, all the new technology. Let's put it in their hands and let them try it. Let's have some of our experts do live demonstrations. They can see it, feel it, touch it, and actually bring it back to their company and do it. And that's how we built the whole experience. So we combined five tracks of education for three days with a trade show hall that's about 90,000 square feet. Uh, we have 240 booths, 18 pavilions, and probably about 16,000 square feet of live demonstrations going on inside the show. So that'll give you an overview. Yeah, and that and that's pretty unique. I mean, we, we spend, you know, with the magazine, I've spent many, many years traveling around and uh, being at different industry events in the various 
vertical silos, right? You know, in all the different sec sectors of uh, the indoor environmental industries per se. And that's what you're describing is not, it's not common. It's not a common way that uh, events are held, right? I mean, this this really hands-on, uh, you know, touch it, see it, feel it type thing as opposed to just a lecture seems like a great format. Yeah, and I, I used myself, when we saw those statistics, I used myself as a model, go into a classroom and see what I could retain from the class. And it was to, you know, what I really wanted to retain and gain. But then when I went to some live demonstrations where they were showing me how to use the tools, showing me how to use new programs or technology, um, and then let me try it, all of a sudden I was like, you know what, I could implement this right away in my company. And that made a big difference. And, and that's how we moved towards that uh, type of uh, teaching and uh, classroom as well. Yeah. And that, again, I, I think that's just it's a powerful way of learning. People learn a lot better. Well, especially, and not to even call the industry blue collar, but it is. I mean, most people that are doing restoration work or cleaning work or remediation work are, are pretty, you know, it's, it's pretty much blue collar uh, service related work. And uh, yeah, t just speaking in theory, yeah, I, I, people probably don't retain all that much from that, from that perspective. Yeah, th I think that's uh, a critical component of the show. But um, you know, really what the show is about right now is getting back together, having a chance to see each other again and a couple of slaps on the back, you know, fists, whatever, and just having an opportunity to be together and create that energy again in the industry moving forward. So uh, people, I think, really miss that opportunity to be with their peers uh, at events like this. So. This really is a unique opportunity, and man, I'm excited to see everybody myself. Oh yeah, I mean, it, this has been—we've kind of been uh, sequestered for a long time here. <laughs> It's—it's—we uh, haven't done a live show ourselves with the magazine, and you know, since uh, actually the last live event that we did in person was uh, keynoted IAQA back in 2019. It's, it's actually been that long. Wow. So I've been in. <laughs> yeah. And I understand that completely because that's right where we've been, too. Now, we did hold a show in Charleston in April, um, but we were really into the safety aspects of, you know, what we need to do to protect people, obviously. And so we did surveys, health surveys. We did temperature readings. Uh, we did everything we possibly could to protect our attendees. And we had no problems whatsoever. We had over a thousand people at that event. Uh, in Charleston. It was a wonderful venue there. Uh, but we're really excited to be in Vegas. I mean, uh, Vegas, we're expecting over 3,000 people. And um, again, you know, we, we want everybody to be safe. We're going to ask them to wear masks. Um, but that's, you know, a simple thing. And, and when I came through the restoration industry, you know, I was used to wearing masks all the time. I took care of myself. I was wearing masks on my jobs, especially when there was mold or, or other particles in the air or sewage or whatever we were dealing with. Uh, so it's not that unusual for me and uh, our staff will be wearing masks and the hotel will be asking everyone to wear masks. Yeah. And, and that's, and I feel the same way too, because I come from, you know, I come from the IAQ industry and, you know, have been involved as both a consultant and a contractor for, you know, 35 years ish now. You're young. And, uh, yeah, yeah I, I guess. Well, you know, the, which which leads to my next question. Well, I'm not going to ask the question. Yeah. Say, but it's like you do not look old enough to have been around that long. <laughs> so you started you know, what? I, at, I you started at 12. Life. You started. You know, <laughs> when did you start in the industry? I started at 15. Wow. Yeah. So um, my mother knew someone that had a carpet cleaning company and I went to work for them. And um, I stayed with them for a couple of years. After the first year, um, I was running his company for him. I had three crews and, you know, I was uh, almost 17 years. I guess I was 17 years old and uh, he didn't want to pay me more than $5 an hour. And I was bringing in about $1,000 a day. And I was like, well, this is crazy. So I left there and a year later, I was uh, almost 19. I started my own company. Um, and so we ran a cleaning and restoration company in Colorado uh, for over 30 years. 
I mean, so you actually started in in seventy two though, because that's you know in seventy two. I'm going to be honest, Larry. I'm mean, not not to try to you know date you or anything here. <laughs> in in seventy two, I think I was in maybe ninth grade or eighth grade. I mean, it, it was it was a while ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a while ago, and you know, technology was non-existent. We didn't really know how well we were doing cleaning. We're using portable machines. We were using shampooers with those portable machines. Um, and there was no science. There were no written books for us to go to. And I'm going to tell you, my first job I went on, um, there were four guys on the job. We're just cleaning an apartment, but the owner of the company liked to have some fun. So he had a shampooer and this carpet was filthy. It was a, a student housing situation. And so he took this shampoo brush and he inserted these plastic bristles into the brush. He custom made it. And that really agitated the nylon uh, fiber uh, and yarns in the carpet. Well, um, I'm watching them and, you know, they're all just kind of standing back. And he said, here, I want you to try this out. And I'm like, I've never run a floor machine before. I don't feel comfortable doing this. Ah, it's so easy. Don't worry about it. So I grabbed the handles and I started going and it started bouncing. It would not stay on the floor and it kept bouncing and, and I could not control the machine and it bounced right into the wall, through the wall. Well, they thought it was absolutely the funniest thing they'd ever seen. And that was my introduction to the carpet cleaning industry. That's one way to do it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure that, that, that's the easiest way to do it. Yeah, well, it wasn't my favorite day. You know, here's well, and I started in air duct cleaning. Uh, just you know that that was my introduction to the industry back in '86, and I literally got hired by a company because I in college had been a chimney sweep. You know, it's like all the great technologies, right? Mm. And they brought me in. It's like so we want to start a duct cleaning division. You know, can you figure it out? <laughs> It's like, okay, you know, and the technology then was, you know, in, in that industry is pretty, pretty primitive as well. So, so what's really, what I think is really fascinating, Larry, is that you've had such a long run in the industry, you know, in, in numerous capacities, but, you know, both as a contractor, you know, as a trainer, um, as an event producer now, of course, but, you know, also, you know, with ICRC and other organizations, right, you know, standard setting and, and doing a lot of stuff. So you've had a pretty good, uh, overview, you know, or, or I should say, uh, just access to, to viewing the whole growth of the industry and the transitions over the last 40 years plus, right? And yeah, has, have, have things years. changed? Have th how have things changed? You know, what, what are well, some of the significant changes you've seen? The great thing about what's happening in the industry is there's finally some science. And so that was really my goal was to raise the bar of our industry to the highest level we possibly can. It's all about protecting consumers in their environment, commercial or residential, as well as protecting our employees when they're doing that work. And we didn't do a very good job of that. When I started uh, my business, um, it was crazy what we were doing, but it was what people were saying, oh yeah, that's how we do it. And of course, there was no one doing any testing and really giving us valid information about what we were doing. So um, I, I had some great opportunities. I uh, was president of the PCUCA, which is out of Colorado, uh, met hundreds of uh, fellow cleaners and restorers, uh, started teaching classes from some of the things we were doing. And then I was able to um, uh, share more and more information. And then we started doing, uh, you know, different type of testing to see what was possible out there. Um, now, I got involved with ICRC in 1984, before you were in the industry. And um, it was a very small organization, maybe five, 600 people, um, and had great potential. But uh, my wife was actually president of the PCUCA at the time. And she got invited to the meeting uh, for the IICRC to talk about uh, associations coming together under that umbrella. And I just went along to observe. Um, at the end of the meeting, they appointed me vice president. And six months later, the, uh, the president uh, resigned and I became president. And I, I knew so little, but it was such an amazing learning opportunity. And I had the most amazing peers to work with. These 
people were so passionate about doing things right in our industry and expanding education and finding ways to certify people across the world. Um, it was just a unique opportunity. And um, then I had the opportunity to get involved in the standards. Uh, we really learned a lot quickly. There were no standards of care in the industry when we got involved. And um, our first standard was for carpet cleaning. And then our attorney found this organization called the American National Standards Institute. His name was Mark Hansen. And so I worked with Mark and the two of us were able to uh, apply to be a, a standard developer with ANSI and uh, we were accepted. And then the first standard we did under ANSI was the S500, which was the water damage restoration uh, standard. And then we did the S520 following that. And boy, I got to tell you what, what an education that was, because guys like you, Bob, were coming in with this expertise and knowledge about what we were really doing. And there was no scientific basis. So, you know, that term MUS, we were mm -hmm. doing that every day. We were making up stuff to put in the standard so we could challenge it to see if it was real or not. And so that's been the most exciting thing for me to watch is how the standards have changed the industry and all the testing and verification that's going on. I don't want to say it out loud, but I will. But when we used to see black stuff on the walls and water damage, we just point our air mover at them. It would disappear. It was well, magic. I mean, if you think about it, in, you know, even up until the late 90s and maybe as early as maybe even 2000, that still was kind of the way things were done. Yeah, you know, I agree. Until the mold rush, you know, 2000 mold rush and suddenly uh, things went crazy. <laughs> it was a great opportunity. And boy, did I meet some amazing people so knowledgeable and so dedicated to the industry. They wanted to share what they knew. What's interesting, too, is that, you know, you, you bring up the ANSI standard process because that's rigorous. That's super rigorous. Uh, when I was with NADCA, uh, I chaired the standards for a short window of time uh, just at the, toward the end of my tenure there. And uh, we were at least initially seeking ANSI approval. And wow, you know, that that really was a rigorous process of just the whole uh, way you have to document, the way you have to allow comment periods and address everything. And it's uh, yeah, it's not simple. <laughs> so hats well, off to being able to do that. Yeah, reaching consensus is an interesting thing. And we really had to let our egos disappear in that process because consensus means that, uh, you know, people generally agree with what you're doing. And we, we formed this little uh, way to work with committees. So at the peak of when I was uh, overseeing the development of standards for the ISCRC, we had 186 volunteers and we were doing in-person meetings uh, to discuss chapters and writing and information. And we had these cards that were one or excuse me, zero through five. And if you had a five, you know, we would take a vote. People put up a five that meant they agree. Let's move forward. But every once in a while, you'd get a, a one or a two and the meeting stopped. Oh, so people would hold them up like an auction? Well, basically to vote, like a voting card. Oh, okay. All right. That's, yep. that's interesting. And so when we got a one and two, we, we just stopped the process, Bob, completely, because that was the ANSI process. Everybody has the right to be heard. Everybody has an opinion. And if they could explain what their opinion is and change the opinion of the committee, we would change that area. So it became a, a longer process, mm -hmm. but it was a very good process because we got buy-in from everybody. And not everybody agreed with everything that was in the document, but they had their opportunity to be heard. And once we created what was in the standard, everybody could challenge it. Everybody could test it. And then the next document, they could bring it back. So it was really fun. I, I remember one meeting, um, I had some great chairs of chapters. And one meeting we were talking about microbiology. And um, this is the most vivid memory I have of any meeting. We had so many doctors and uh, my, micro people there, and they were so passionate about their information. Well, we couldn't get anything done in the room because none of them agreed with each other. 
So finally, we separated the room into two different groups, and they chose where they wanted to go. And then we had to take the two different opinions and bring them back together to meld them and get an agreement. But the interesting thing was a couple of the guys were participating in both groups. They didn't want to be in one group or the other. They were sitting in the middle and participating in both. I have never seen so many brilliant people in a room before. And it was such a thrill to work with them all and learn from them. And I was like a sponge, man. I, I was just taking in all the information I could. And the beauty of volunteering that I always tell everybody is I was able to take that information back to my company and implement it into my company. And we were leading the field in the area because of that knowledge we were gaining by volunteering or being involved in the process. Yeah. And, and that, I mean, I, I found that to be true, too, in my tenure, uh, you know, working with organizations and being involved with standard setting and, and those sort of things. It it really does give you this this uh, chance to be exposed to a lot of different perspectives and uh, a ton of really brilliant people. You know, if you have if you have sizable committees, there's there's some brilliant minds that you can uh, interface with. And obviously you all grow from that. So that that's huge. Um, so the process, I'm assuming, and I, again, you're not directly involved. You're not currently on any uh, IAC or C standards at this point. I, am, you, I have not yeah. been involved for about 10 years. Yeah, and I, I it's been 20 years for me since I've been in any standard setting. Um, it's, you know, it, I'm assuming it's changed to some extent because obviously, well, at least the past two years, it's all remote, right? Probably no meetings were held in person. But I almost suspect that there'll be more meetings that are done remotely for these type of committees just from the, the standpoint of logistics, right, and the cost of meeting in person. Yeah, and I think doing the meetings remotely is nice, but you don't have the passion and fire as being together in a room together. Um, we gained so much by being face-to-face. -face. And I got to tell you, these were not, yeah, 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 let's approve this kind of thing. These were fire and brim meetings, man. These guys were going after each other. And, you know, trying to prove their points about, you know, what we were trying to put on paper. And uh, it was fascinating. And, you know, at the end of the day, we all went to dinner and had a great time together. Mm -hmm. but that was the level of passion that went into those documents. You don't get that on Zoom. No, you can't. You're right. You're right. And I, I think back in my days, too, of these in-person meetings, we did most of ours down in Alexandria, Virginia. And uh, yeah, there there was some of them were a little rough. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You know, I mean, you know, you know, we all because you think about it, right? You bring a bunch of especially you bring a bunch of entrepreneurs into a room together. Oh, yeah. Who all think they do everything perfect. You know, it, it's it, you're not necessarily going to get consensus uh, readily. Well, and we bring them into the room because they have an opinion without that level of opinion and the diversity of opinion. How do you ever reach consensus as an industry that maybe this is the best way to move forward? And then let's take that structure and test it and see if we're, if we really are doing it correct. And maybe we can advance a couple more levels up uh, with that testing. So you were involved. Uh, so name off the standards that you were involved with for IACRC, because I know it, there's sure. a numerous uh, bunch there, or if you can. <laughs> yeah, I was involved in S100, which was carpet cleaning, S300, which was upholstery cleaning, S500, which was water damage restoration, and then S520, uh, which was uh, uh, mold remediation. Um, when I left, we were working on S600, which was never published. Um, and since then, they've, Millie Washington has taken them to a whole new level. She is a consummate expert, obviously, on standards. And she has taken them, I think they have 20 or 25 standards now, um, which is fantastic. And there have been some great standard chairs over the years, uh, you know, working with Barry Costa and, and Howie Wolf. Uh, these guys were just sensational to... Uh, to work with and, and the information they brought forward was fantastic. The organization skills are important. So what's, what's interesting to me too is like, so when you started in the industry, as when I started in, in the duct cleaning industry, there weren't any standards, uh, you know, so right. it, was, it was wild west, right? Pretty much everybody made up their own rules. They were, you know, I mean, so there was very large variances and degrees of the care that was done by various contractors. 
no standards means you know you can have really good and really bad all going on at the same time um so so since you know this whole transition of moving towards more standards based practices uh, and i'm going to talk in general now with the cleaning restoration and remediation because you're sure. involved in standards and all of those um how how has that changed maybe the perspective of the industry from the outside from maybe from other professionals outside of those industries like uh, <clears throat> like consultants uh, architects uh, you know, engineers that sort of thing how how do they how do they view these industries do you think that's that that's helped it i think it has i think that uh, there's a lot of people that still don't follow the standards, don't use the standards and kind of uh, make it up themselves how they want to do it. But I did a lot of uh, consulting and expert witness work. And I can recall one case, uh, I went into a, a deposition and there were seven attorneys there. It was on a water damage restoration with mold uh, case, actually in Arizona. And um, it was so interesting that every one of them had a copy of S500 and 520 in their hands. So that tells you the uh, the level that we reached um, with putting things in writing and actually following a standard of care that really helps the environment, helps the people that are living there. And, you know, testing is critically important. I mean, there has. Yeah. And, and I, I, I think that you hit on a really important point there. Um, you do need some sort of a you know a litmus test per se right to what 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 passes what fails but where it gets really challenging because you you chaired the first s520 the mold standard i, I i've been involved a lot as a mold consultant over the years and, and it's a challenging industry because there's not really an agreed upon what passes and what fails necessarily right mm -hmm. it's that's made up almost on a job-by-job -job basis by the various consultants that put these things together to some extent right so doesn't that writing a standard on mold seems like that would be especially challenging, right? For it was especially challenging because there was so much passion about uh, you know what the standard should be, what's safe, what's safe for humans in an indoor environment, and so yeah, it's very difficult to say up oh, this is the number, and it seems to be a moving target. And the more we learn about the indoor environment and the processes to uh, to clean the indoor environment properly, uh, that number is changing, obviously. And so I think that will continue to change uh, uh, over, you know, many more years coming into the future. And, you know, at our show in Las Vegas, there's new technology coming in that we've never seen before. And so there's some devices now that you can just set in a room and it measures uh, all the bacteria, the virus and the mold that's in the room. I've, I've never seen this kind of technology before. We're, mm -hmm. we're thrilled to have it there. We're going to uh, have them set it up and use it there so we can kind of see what it's doing. They're going to present on that also. At the last show, uh, there was a gentleman there that has some new technology uh, that is a... Um, UV, but it is so intense. Uh, UVC is pretty strong. And this was, I think, four or five levels above UVC. And it had a pulse. Uh, this frequency that was added to it, it pulsed more than 100 times per second. And uh, his claim is that the light that he uses with this device uh, kills uh, virus, bacteria, and mold on contact. And so great ideas, great technology. Now everybody's got to prove what the possibilities are. And I've seen maybe four or five other devices and tools like this coming on the market. So things obviously are going to change in the future. I mean, and that's, but you, you do touch on a point that there's new technology coming out, but the, uh, a lot of times it's not really proven or, you know, what what you're seeing is marketing claims, right, as opposed to third party substantiated claims. I mean, we over this the course of this past 18 months with the pandemic, there's been a lot of air cleaning technology that's been brought to the market. Some of it suspect. No question sure. about it. Right. You know, I guess, yeah. of course, you know, you have an opportunity to start selling equipment. So, you know, how does an industry, and, and this is tough too, because it's kind of like herding cats, because you're, you're talking about an industry here that's a broad industry, right? Because it's cleaning, I mean, just your event encompasses cleaning, restoration, and remediation. These yeah. are 
these are really separate silos for the most part. Many of the companies do all those things, but right, right, they, they're different. Yeah. That's a great comment too, because people ask me all the time, "Who's attending your show? Are they cleaners, or are they restorers, or remediators?" And my comment is, "Well, they're seventy percent cleaners, and they're seventy percent restorers, and they're seventy percent remediators. Not all of them do everything, but there's such a huge crossover uh, that they're all." involved in a lot of different services like that yeah and that would make it somewhat you know somewhat complex i think again because they are they're related because i even you know we i was heavily involved i came up on the remediation side dealing with remediation obviously air duct cleaning i would consider as remediation i mean it kind of is i mean it was before there was remediation right um and that's how we that's how we got involved in the microbial aspects dealing with it from hvac centric standpoint mm-hmm. you know so we were dealing with mold and bacteria in hvac which got you know from my business in the early 90s got us looking at mold in the indoor environment because it wasn't just limited to the hvac you, the comment you made earlier about the black spots on the wall you know we're cleaning hvac and a billion thinks they have a mold problem in the ductwork and you know well, there's mold on the walls. <laughs> what are you yeah. doing about that? You know, there's mold on the outside oh, no of the big deal if it's on the walls. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All that's 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 just mildew. You know, I love that term. <laughs> that, 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 that's one of the ones that still sticks in my craw. But um, anyway. Well, you know, that that's a great comment. And what I can tell you is even in my own service company, we were doing five to six hundred water damage jobs a year. Uh, we had full-time trucks just set up for water damage. But we were using carpet cleaning machines to do the extraction. We're using air movement that we're using carpet cleaning also. Uh, We were using uh, disinfectants, biocides and things for carpet cleaning. And then we had to change our technology as we got into mold. So there was a lot of crossover and cross training. Uh, But, you know, it was a very serious business and you got to be real uh, uh, crazy to get in the business anyway. The phone doesn't ring until you get home from work, right? Then you're going back out again all night, and then you're back in the you know work the next morning. So that that was kind of how the uh, the business ran. But um, it was a fantastic business helping people, and I'll never forget the job I walked into where the sewage was in the basement, floor to ceiling, and we were like what the heck do you do with that load? You know, I'm just like, wow. So we learned a lot uh, in the field also that we were able to uh, bring back to the industry. And, you know, our company was a company that um, really tried the best methods we can, but communication with customers was something we had to learn. And we were one of the first companies that was sued by a consumer for using a biocide in her house. We had this terrible job in her house. Everybody was sick, mold everywhere. And we went in and we thoroughly cleaned it and we fogged it. Now I disclosed to her we were gonna do it, but I didn't get it in writing. So we go in, we finish the job, she comes back in. She tells us she can't live in the house because it's polluted with this uh, biocide we sprayed. And we were like, what? Never even thought of that before, right? And so um, we ended up replacing all of her clothing, cleaning everything again, removing all the sheetrock, replacing it, repainting the house, replacing all the floor covering material. And then we hired an attorney to help us write language about disclosure. You know, what is it that we're going to be using on the jobs? And you could say, yes, I want to use this, or no, I don't give you permission to do it. They initial it and sign it with the appropriate language. So, I mean, we were doing that in the early 90s, um, and Dryes followed us with uh, language similar, but three or four of us got sued within two months uh, across the country. And we, we didn't end up in the lawsuit, but it cost us a lot of money to fix the house if she would sure. move back in. 
Yeah. But but think about it at that at that point in time, you know, in the early 90s or even late late 80s, early 90s, chemicals chemical use was pretty rampant. Uh, the air duct cleaning industry, one of the you know the big add-ons is will say, well, you know, clean and sanitize your ductwork. You know, where there's any real reason to do that, I, I would argue there isn't. You know, unless you you really have a microbial issue, why are you spraying biocides at ductwork? But well, but I think the EPA agreed with you, right? <laughs> they did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I and and I spent a lot of time working with the EPA too. You know, on behalf of NADCA, so we were we had during those years in the 90s they had a lot a lot of dialogue back and forth we actually ran a research project uh, a cooperative research development agreement with epa and uh did an air duct cleaning study down uh we ran it at our research triangle park uh, oh, yeah. in north carolina and it was yeah it was it was a lot of our tax dollars probably a million dollars of tax money was spent on this uh research it was a pilot study and we learned a lot you know they really we actually tried uh using a biocide not using a biocide and if you actually did really good cleaning technique in, in metal ductwork, now this was metal, it was limited to metal, not fiberglass. Um, it, it didn't make that much of a difference. It actually like had almost, you know, very like less than a percent type effect uh, mm -hmm. on the outcome. So it, it really raises the question of why would you want to add that to the environment if you don't need to? Boy, I agree with you a hundred percent. And, you know, I got to a point where I was concerned about using biocides, and I was very happy that... Well, getting sued uh, would probably get you there. Oh, it got my attention in a hurry. <laughs> you know, wake you up. Watching every job. But when they came out with plant-based materials that we could use to disinfect, uh, we switched everything over. No, and that makes total sense. Um, again, you know, my whole thing is an IAQ guy, right? It's like... You know, you got there's chemicals that need to be used to achieve certain results. You have to use chemicals in certain instances. I mean, every project requires some chemicals. Absolutely. The, the key is to use the chemicals spirit. when you need them, but don't use chemicals you don't need and try to use the least, you know, well, it, you know, it comes down to the risk benefit analysis, right? Right. It's like you don't want to be bringing a product in that's more more potentially problematic to the occupants than the problem they had there that you're supposedly addressing. Yeah. You know, and I saw that we did a, a uh, study in, in uh, when I was in the 90s also with Dr. Michael Berry and Gene Cole uh, called the Denver study. Mm -hmm. And the Denver study was about cleaning methods. And so we did seven cleaning methods in seven different type of buildings. And it was so fascinating to learn that some of the things we were doing were putting more pollution into the environment. And we weren't aware of it. And so we learned a lot through their tests and um, they published some great papers from it. But uh, nonetheless, it's all experience, obviously. And the more we can learn by doing testing, uh, the better off we are overall. I mean, there's no question about it. The industry, um, I, I know in my years, and again, I've, I've got a, a considerably less tenure than yours. Uh, you know, because you said you started in 72 when you were 15, right? <laughs> yeah. I, I, I still, I, you don't, I, anyway, I, I'm still, I'm still, uh, yeah, I, I can't. I'm a weird being, man. I'm, I'm also married to the same girl I was dating when I was 15. So there you go. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. So yes, yeah, so you're, you're an anomaly on, on, on many, uh, many fronts. So that's good. No, you're doing, but you're doing something right, dude. I mean, you gotta be. You so, know, so I'm stuff. just living life every day and enjoying every minute I can. That, and, you know, that's, I, I guess it shows. You see, you know, and again, we haven't had an awful lot of interaction over the years, but we've crossed paths a few times. And you always seem to be a, a pretty jovial up guy. I always like one thing I always read off of you, Larry, is you seem to be positive. Yeah, you, you, you exuber, you know, you're very exuberant and you just seem to be, you know, have a positive demeanor around you, which is a nice thing. We all have choices to make in life, right? Yeah, I guess, yeah. you know, and, and well, and some make some people don't make great choices, but that's, you know, that's neither here nor there. So the, one of the things, you know, I you know mentioned, you know, that your event, you know, is actually titled that it, or at least subtitled somewhere that, you know, that it's cleaning, restoration or remediation. So those are and, you know, you did mention that most of the most of the companies of the 70, 70, 70, you know, it's like it's a mix. It's a melding of the different industries. Yeah. Um, but it still doesn't it still present at least some challenge as far as the content that you offer because that's there's a lot of different content you have to bring to a show that covers all those areas, right? Yeah, and it really doesn't. So what we did is we created something that's called a track system for our convention, and so we have five tracks of education, and they run concurrently. People have to choose where they want to go. So the first track is for cleaning, 
anything to do with uh, flooring, upholstery, you know, anything cleaning wise, the guys are involved in that's track one. Track two is all related to restoration and remediation. All the presentations are related specifically to water, mold, bacteria, sewage, whatever the heck it is we're getting into. That's what that track is. The third track then is all about, you know, running your company with management and marketing, uh, having people come in and share what they do in their company. Some experts come in and talk about systems they could put in place to be more successful, how to write a business plan, how to write a marketing plan, how to implement them. Um, and then we also um, have the next track, which is uh, track four, and we include a variety of things in there. So it could be uh, the good life is one of the tracks. We do something that we think is critically important at our show. We have a large pavilion that's called um, health and wellness pavilion. And it's all about uh, how we're living every day. You know, we're on these jobs and we don't prepare well, meaning that we don't take care of ourselves and our employees. So, you know, you got a crew of 10 guys, they come in, none of them eating breakfast. Yeah, they you don't, eat, don't eat well, you eat crap, fast food. You're reason That's right. That lunch, yeah. they run to McDonald's or Wendy's or Burger King or whatever, eat crap. And then we wonder why they don't feel good, why they're not operating at 100%. Also, we're doing so many things with our body, you know, scrub wanding with this shoulder, lifting, cleaning wall surfaces. How do we stretch our body and take care of ourselves? Uh, before we go out on these jobs. So it's been very, very interesting to have the good life in there. But then we also do uh, social media type of things. You know, how can you maximize your website? What should you be doing to advertise to customers? Um, and then finally, in the fifth track, we're doing something different we've never done before. The first day, Wednesday, all of our classes are in the Spanish language. Uh, we wanted to increase the opportunity for more people to come in and learn. And we have a lot of people that attend our show that are more comfortable learning in Spanish than English. We're happy to uh, work with them and help them. We also have Normie on the program. Uh, Normie is uh, all related to remediation. And so they're gonna be teaching remediation skills, not just in the classroom, but also in the trade show hall. And then also we have ARCS, and that's the Association for Rug Cleaners. So all of them will be presenting uh, in track five also. So the combination of those tracks is critical. Now, one thing also different about our show is when the education is open, the trade show is closed. When the trade show is open, the education is closed in the classroom. So when you go into our trade show, we feature hands-on demonstrations. There's 240 booth spaces. There's 18 pavilions surrounding it. The first thing you'll notice is that we build houses in the trade show. And we do this for a reason. We build houses. One of them this year, we're going to flood. This is probably the seventh year we flooded the house there. How's the hotel then, feel about that? That seems scary. Oh, man. You should see the engineers. <laughs> you must have I'm a hell of a disclaimer on, on your, on your uh, rental rider for this space. <laughs> We're going we're gonna to flood your hall. <laughs> First time I did it at the Mirage, um, I had to meet with the engineers, tell them what I was doing, you know, and I protect everything so no water can seep out. Well, we get there to set up, and they had covered the whole floor in plastic. Oh, all the carpet, you know, there's everything. There's space covered. under the floor, a void where all the electric's running, and I'm looking at them going, are you guys serious? And they're like, what do you mean? I said, well, if water were to run, where would it go? Well, if it's on the plastic, it's going to go to the edges and go under. Right. So now you're going to flood everything, right? I said, let me show you what I'm doing. I use this thick rubber under the house. And then I use um, PVC around the outside. And we make a bath, basically a big tub the house sits in. But the amazing thing about flooding a house like this, even though I put in 1,000 to 1,500 gallons into the house, the building material absorbs so much of it, so little drips onto the rubber base. It's incredible what it'll hold. And so then what we do at the house, the first house, we spend three days teaching people the latest technology using the most uh, advanced equipment available in the industry, 
teaching them how to monitor the jobs, how to know when it's dry, using uh, different types of, of devices to show it drying. And then uh, we have a company that comes in and, and brings in cameras. Uh, so we're able to monitor the actual drying process. Um, and it's fantastic. And usually we're drying a day or two and we have to re-wet it to keep it going. But those classes are great. And then this year next to it, we built a second house, which we're keeping dry because of the amount of remediation that's going on in our industry. We're talking about PPE. How do you really dress to go into these situations? How do you protect everybody? Uh, how do you don and doff? And then also when you get into clean, what methods are you using? How are you doing it? How efficiently are you doing it? So we're teaching them hands-on how to actually do the jobs, uh, which is a great opportunity. And then this year we're doing something hands-on we've never done. Right next to the two houses, I built a cage. It's 50 by 25. And inside that cage, there's three hands-on stations going on. One of them's a live stage with a video camera, a big screen so you can see everything they're doing with the live demonstration. Um, you know, you can get about 100 people in there at a time. But what we're finding over at the house is we'll get four or 500 people at a time over there. So we're expanding as much as we can. Um, right next to the cage is hands-on with Jeff Jones, Normie's right after that. And then across the trade show hall, um, our friends at Shaw Industries, the largest manufacturer of floor covering, uh, have brought in the Shaw Learning Lab. First time they've really done this. And they're going to be teaching what their new products are, how to maintain them, how to clean them, how to repair them, uh, hands-on. And those are really unique opportunities. And then in the back of the trade show hall, Centrum Force is going to have a full rug cleaning plant. And then we have the health and wellness pavilion. And right in the center of the trade show hall, uh, CleanRight will actually be teaching people how to clean fiber and fabrics. So, I mean, there's more than that going on, but that's kind of a generalization of some of the hands-on going on in there. See, and that's huge because, I mean, you're going to have a fairly highly attended event. I mean, there's a lot of people. If you get 3,000 or more people there, um, I, this is this is really great that you have so many different hands-on activities going concurrently there. Yeah. Uh, so there's an opportunity for people to kind of spread out. And that, that's that's another difference because most, most trade show halls, not, not always, but many events keep them open during the learning sessions. So, I mean, what you're, what it seems like you've done a paradigm shift to some extent saying that our trade show is actually part of our learning. Well, I've stood in those trade show booths when the classes are going on. And it's great to meet all the other vendors, but the reason I was there was to meet all the attendees. And so we have dedicated trade show hours, four hours the first day, three and a half hours the second day, three hours the third day. That's all that's going on at our show. And to entice them to come in, I'm giving them free food and I have a keg of beer in there. What else could you ask for? Free food and free beer are always <laughs> enticements. You know, it's like, I mean, I, it would get me there. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be a lot of fun. And what I need to tell you about is we used to do breakfast and lunches at our show all the time. And we would throw away 50 to 60% of the food, which drove me crazy. I wanted to save it and bring it somewhere where somebody could eat it. And, of mm -hmm. course, the hotel couldn't do that. So we surveyed our members and our attendees. And what I found out was that they really wanted to have cocktail receptions and parties, none of the others. So we canceled the breakfast and lunches. We have a cocktail reception on the day before at registration. We'll get five to 700 people just networking there. And then the first day of the trade show hall, there's a cocktail reception in the trade show hall. The second day, which is actually September the 9th, we're throwing what I think will be the biggest party in the industry ever. We're expecting 24 to 2,500 people to come to a dinner. There's no other cost. If you have a name badge, you're invited to dinner. And then I hired these rock and roll lead stars from the 80s 
The group was called The Legends. They were in Vegas. They're coming in and doing a private concert for our group for 90 minutes. We're building a huge stage with a full band. And it's just a great party atmosphere, a great place to let loose and just have some fun. And I haven't told many people this, but the first hour of that dinner, I'm opening up the bar so it's free for everyone. See, now I'm definitely coming. <laughs> I mean, you know what? After two years, it's time to party and let loose and have some fun. Yeah, well, I mean, and that's the thing. If you're going to have an in-person event, the, the, the networking, that's, I, and I think that's one thing we've really experienced heavily for the past 18 months. There's been a lot of virtual events. We've run a bunch of them. I mean, we've been involved with, I think, seven online conferences that we've actually uh, hosted and, and ran. And it really is... I'm going to say not impossible, but very difficult to replicate networking experiences. You, yeah. know, you can you can sort of do some of it with Zoom meetings. And, you know, you have the cocktail hours where people all have their drinks in their separate little Brady Bunch windows. And and that's better than nothing, you know, in absence of anything. But, but it, yeah, to me, the most education and the most business building ever happened for me at a conference was usually in the cocktail hours in the lounge, in the places where you're meeting people outside of the actual uh, discussion groups. You know what I learned was that I would make great friends at these events that I would go to and at the standard committee meetings and at the ISCRC meetings. And I still have those friends. But when I get into a job that's complicated and I'm looking for someone to help me, those are my go-to guys. Those are the guys that can help me. They want to help me. They want me to be successful. They're going to share information that I'm searching for. And it's critical that you have those relationships. And if you get into really big jobs, here's a whole team that can come in and help you. So, I mean, that that networking piece is so important. And understanding that, you know, these guys are doing the exact same thing you are, but everybody's got a little bit different level of knowledge and understanding in specific areas. And, and yeah, you're not, th th that's what really brings, you know, uh, to me, that's where these type of events shine. And it seems like, um, and, I, and I haven't been to one of your experience events. I, I'm actually embarrassed to admit that. I, I know, I know. I, I'm working on it. I'm sending you a personal I'm, invitation. I, I know, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I, I really am going to, in earnest, try to be there at least for a day or so. Um, so Come, come Thursday. Okay. You got to come party with us. Well, I, I guess if that's the day, that's the day I should probably come. Um, this is, um, again, I've been flashing this on through the show, but uh, this is the website for where you can find out more about the event, correct? Absolutely. ExperienceTheEvents.com. Yeah, one of our great problems, great thing we've had going on is we sold out our room block a month ago. And every week I've gone to the hotel and begged for more rooms. So we've added rooms every week. As a matter of fact, this morning they just gave me 30 more rooms. So... Um, we've sold several thousand rooms and uh, we know there's going to be a lot of people here, obviously, but if you want to get a room for $104 a night at the Paris hotel, go to our website, go to venue. You can book it. You can register there. You don't want to stand in line. We'll have 500 on-site registrations. The lines do get long and we try to process as quickly as we can, but why not just register in advance and you don't have to stand in the line? You walk up, print out your name badge, and you're done. So that that's very easy. But, yeah, the whole agenda is there also, Bob. By, by the way, $104 a night for Paris is a crazy price. That, that's, actually, that's actually a really good price. You know, when I uh, looked at your website and saw that, I was like, wow. I mean, the rack rate on that place is like close to 300 right? Ish. Yeah. Just for their uh, base rooms. When we're done with our room block, they stop giving them to us. They go to 279 to 479 So absolutely uh, very expensive. And we negotiated that rate three years ago. I'm assuming you're able to do that uh, to some extent uh, just because you do have numbers. And, and that's one thing I, I really need to point out. In, in the indoor environmental industry, there's not very many events that rival the size of yours. <laughs> To be honest, I mean, you know, you look at, I, I'm not going to pick on any associations, but the individual associations have numbers that are somewhere around 10% of what you're talking here <laughs> at their events. Yeah, uh, three to 600 is pretty normal, and yeah, pretty it would be really hard for us to hold an event at that level. But I got to tell you, the way we built our show is through collaboration. 
uh, we want to work with the industry. We want to work with groups that are trying hard to improve the industry. Um, you know, we we think we know a lot, but we know that we're just scratching the surface. And there's so much more we can be presenting to our audience uh, by partnering with other organizations, uh, by collaborating with people that are doing great work out there. And so you'll see that. We have 32 sponsors at this show. And they're all collaborating and helping us. And that that is so vitally important to the success of the organization. I have a great team, but I got to tell you, our team and myself could not put on a show like this without so many other people helping us. It really is appreciated. Well, it, it you know, and I, I do appreciate the the difficulty of the logistics of running a show of, of this grandeur. And, you know, it seems like yours would be more complex than many because you're doing a lot of hands-on, a lot of stuff that's, it's not really just cut and dry. It's a lot easier to have uh, people do PowerPoint presentations. That's not that hard to organize. <laughs> I have um, 20 volunteers coming in on Saturday before the show. And these guys are going to build all the houses and all the hands-on structures all around the room. They're all volunteers. Uh, they want to be part of the show. They want to meet guys and network. They want to make friends. They want to be a part of the action. And it's so awesome to work with uh, everybody that comes in and helps. It's really a lot of fun. I'm going to let you uh, give us a closing thought, but before that, I'm going to just do a quick plug for us. So many of you are watching the show right now on the Healthy Indoors uh, online global community, which is a platform we launched a couple months back um, that we're super excited about. Um, this is uh, this is a platform that is, a lot of it is free to the general public, um, the, like this show and most of our other shows. Uh, anyone can just log into this community without being a member and see that. However, um, your most benefit is going to be to become a community member because this is not just a place for information. It's not just a place for uh, posting, you know, like a Reddit post. Um, this is also, it's, it's a community. And what we're looking for is networking and people to actually collectively take that opportunity to uh, meet each other from around the world, from different industry, different verticals. Um, and we're hoping to, you know, that we can help facilitate that. So that's, uh, you know, please, please, if you're not, watching the show in the community right now you're watching one of the other many portals we pop up on um check out this website it's going to be uh a, i think really a value to you and i think you're, you're going to get a lot from it and we'll even run a little quick promo blaringly loud wasn't it it's like it's like it's, it's, what, it's what you know what can i say larry it's it's you know I, i'm engineering my own show since covid we uh stopped having an engineer in the studio so uh when we broadcast uh we engineer our own broadcast so i think it was that, great it was a uh, really beautiful uh, artwork also well there you go thank you um so uh closing thoughts larry what you know you know, what I'd like to say is I want to invite you all to come join us. We'll be in Las Vegas. Uh, we're getting there the afternoon of the 7th. Registration opens the 8th, 9th, and 10th of September. Uh, we will be full-on uh, education tracks running, trade show running. Um, you know, you're welcome to join us. It's going to be a fun experience and um, so much new information coming to the show. There are so many new product launches happening at our show. You want to stay on top of the market. You want to be in front of the market so that uh, you are leading in your area. But again, the show is available for uh, anyone that would like to attend and uh, happy to welcome you there. And uh, uh, absolutely uh, call us if you have any questions. But you can go to our website, see everything about our agenda, see the trade show hall. All of our vendors are listed there. And then you can also uh, register and book your hotel there. So please come join us. We're looking forward to having an event again. Thank you. Fantastic. So um, we're at that time, Larry. You know, it's like a, the, it's, it's the end of the line. 60 minutes goes by so quick. <laughs> it, it just does, you know. It's amazing uh, to me. 
It is, right? I mean, it's crazy to me, too, because I always go, wow, we, we ran out of time already. But um, su- such is life. Uh, we'll be back again next week um, here uh, for the Healthy Indoors live show. Um, every Thursday we're here, most every Thursday. I mean, I guess once in a while we're not here, we do a recorded broadcast. But for the most part, uh, every Thursday from 1 to 2 p.m. Eastern time, uh, you can see us on the Healthy Indoors show. We would uh, love to have you join us on a regular basis and especially recommend that you uh, join us on the global community. If you're not watching us there, if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube or LinkedIn, um, go to this site because this is a great site to be at because you're able to uh, post questions. And after the fact, you have access to the recordings uh, for all the shows as well as our uh, podcast. We have an audio podcast, too. So if you can't bear to look at me or Larry, you can at least, uh, you know, you you can at least uh, experience our golden voices, you know. (laughs) so 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 for for larry cooper who's the managing uh managing partner of the experience events uh llc um and you know again final plug for your show uh the the experience happening this uh september 8th through 10th at the paris hotel in las vegas nevada um i'll try to be there so hopefully i'll see you there um but if not you know you certainly should be joining larry and his crew there because it sounds like this is going to be one heck of a show we're really looking forward to it. Thanks so much, Bob. Really enjoyed spending some time with you. Same here, Larry. It's a pleasure having you join us. So we'll see you all next week on the Healthy Indoors live show.